And we're back. I'm Curve Your Bra. I'm here with Makar Sandu, and we are screen off script. This week, we're getting into the Super Mario Bros. movie and reflecting on all the major movie and TV news of the week. Bowser is coming. Together, we are going to stop that monster. How? Look at us. We're adorable. Come on, Mario. Our big adventure begins now. Ah, get it up, get it up, get it up. All right, in our first segment, we're going to be talking all the news for this week. Uh, if you want to skip around to our review of the Super Mario Bros. movie, there will be timestamps. Jomat? Yes. There's so much that's been going on. I feel yeah. like we're we're almost like, we got to just run through a whole lineup. Let's run the gamut. All this stuff that's been going on. And the Let's first thing I think that's been kind of interesting is kind of something that's been alluded to along this year in even just from a business sense, like the HBO Max Discovery thing. We've been hearing about that for a while, how they're mm-hmm. merging. They finally confirmed they're officially titling it Max. That's first off, but the news that came with that is the exciting stuff. I'm just going to hit you with a bunch of them. You tell me what you think is the most exciting, all right? Okay, yeah. First one is a series based in the Conjuring universe. I know you're not a big horror fan, but they're working on that. I think that's awesome. I love Conjuring. They haven't hit it out of the park since the first one, but I'm still optimistic. Uh, second, we got Rick and Morty, the anime. Again, another property that's thriving, killing it. But definitely, I can see like the expansion that they're doing. That's going to be really interesting. And also, they're finally working on the It prequel, Welcome to Dairy. And that's going to release in, on Max in 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I get to like the biggest news, any of those even touch you at all? You know what's funny? Like People have told me about Rick and Morty for years. Yeah. And I know. And I'm one of them, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I know for a fact that if I actually took the time to delve into that series, it would be right up my street yeah it's just one of you know how like you know that you're gonna like something Mm -hmm. but you just haven't had time to watch something or listen to something or whatever it is that is one of those shows for me of all those things i just mentioned rick and morty uh the weird thing about rick and morty is it has like this weird fan base like Mm. especially at the start of when it started there was like this thing around rick and morty where it was just like yo it was like a meme like you have to be smart to understand rick and morty when it's like basically like a scientist making dick jokes right? right and it's like it's it's a super funny show yeah but for some reason the fan base got weird about it mm. and it didn't feel like it was like a very gatekeepy kind of a vibe to it and then right. all of a sudden now it feels like it's chilled out yeah we're finally hanging out and and it's still a great show it's still super funny and if you yeah. just take it as a show as it is it, it's just a super fun show but on top of that as much as we're like huge movie fans and sci-fi fans and all that kind of stuff, it satiates what you want from that so perfectly. References all these movies you love. Dan Harmon, the show creator, is just the biggest movie fan. Yeah. Even from Community to this show, it's just a perfect mesh of sci-fi and nerdness. Well, even together. the lead characters are like basically a rip off Marty and Doc from yeah. Back to the Future. Yeah, exactly. And I know, again, having not watched it, I know from other people that have watched it, like you said, they riff on so many classic movies from the 80s and the 90s and they kind of go deep into nerd culture yeah. as well. So maybe one day I'm going to just sit there and just binge it all, man. Yeah, yeah, 100%. The biggest uh, piece of news I thought that came out of the HBO Max or the Max stuff was that the Harry Potter series is finally... And officially getting a reboot. Uh, That's officially in development at HBO. The series is described as a decade-long faithful adaptation of the books. Uh, As a huge Harry Potter fan, this is like music to my ears. We've Mm -hmm. been talking about this like literally since the the inception of this podcast. Right, yeah. Like I remember early, early when we were like, you know what, what what's your dream thing? What what do you hope for? Like it was just, we were talking about how like it's such a no-brainer to redo the the Harry Potter movies as a series uh, especially the way like series are kind of like done and extrapolated and like so much is given to them now. This feels like a home run just waiting to happen. Yeah. When I think back to the Harry Potter movies and the franchise, like going to the cinema to watch all those movies, I had a good time with the movies. I wouldn't say I had a great time. It, I was never a hardcore Harry Potter fan. And maybe it was one of those things where it was the generation after me yeah. that was kind of raised on reading the books and then all of a sudden you're reading the books and the movies are coming out so it's like a perfect synergy yeah that's me and that's, that's you, exactly right? what happened like wait till you know midnight to grab the book yes not the movie and like we we, we waited till midnight to go to like chapters or whatever to buy a goddamn book a cr- that will never probably happen again yeah exactly right? and then on top of that yeah then you the same nerd fan base is going to the movies and do the exact same thing right i, I used to love not only the book experience but going to the theater among the nerds that made me like the happiest. Right. That's when I first started loving being around other fans who yeah. were like watching the same thing I love. Right, right, right. And then when I would go to the movies with friends of mine, 
who did read the books, we'd walk out, we'd talk about the movie, and my friends would always say to me, oh, but they left this out. Oh, yeah. but they left that out. Big time. And now with the series, there is absolutely no way in hell nothing's going to be left out. And the one thing that I am personally excited about is a reboot, a refresh. HBO, when yeah. they do TV series, they do not mess around. Yeah. They are the goat. Yeah, yeah. When there's one production house, one studio that is going to give you a show, a series, whether it's suitable for all ages, whether it's for adults only, look at the resume, look at what they've done. Look at already this year right? Like Last of Us is being heralded as the greatest video game adaptation of all time. Yeah. The fact that they have their hands on the Harry Potter books and the Harry Potter IP, I am extremely excited about this. Yeah. And honestly, as a fan like uh, of the books and the movies and all that kind of stuff, because I love the movies, despite the fact that it didn't have a lot of information or whatever. I thought they did the best they could. Mm-hmm. And people, are, I can already tell, like, obviously the fan base is like, a little split, a little divisive because they're like, oh, I hold these movies in such a high regard. Right. I don't want them to be touched. Or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, I understand that thought process, but we don't live in that world anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like anybody who feels like Star Wars is too delicate or anything is too delicate. It doesn't matter anymore, man. You're, you've been moved past. And you can still <laughs> hold like that a special place in your heart and then try. Like, for example, just to kind of share some of my own fandom, I love Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 so much. Yeah. Those for me are the Cameron Terminator movies and that's it. Yeah. Everything else that came after that is absolute trash. I still kind of carved out the time to give them a ch- an opportunity to to impress me when I went to the movies. Yeah. And that's all anyone can really ask for. It's like, hey, listen, watch the show. If you don't like it, dip. You've still got a plethora of movies to like rewatch and re-binge whenever you want. But like you said, this is the industry we live in. They have a very important multi-billion dollar IP on their hands. There is no way they weren't ever going to do this. Yep. Uh, next one I want to talk about was James Mangold, um, which we're going to talk about in a little bit as well. He's going to come back around. Uh, he says that his Bob Dylan biopic starring Timothy Chalamet is going to start filming in August and Chalamet is going to be doing all his own singing in the movie. Ooh, that's that, pretty wild, that's right? A, that's a pretty bold move. Like that's Bob uh, Dylan. Like that's a hell of a fucking iconic voice. Yeah. yeah. Austin Butler, when he did Elvis, did he sing the Elvis songs himself? Yeah, he did. He did some of them. He did a really good job, right? He did a tremendous job. So like, I mean, the bar is set. It can be done. And like at the end of the day, it's it's Bob Dylan. It's not like Bob Dylan has like the greatest sing, singing voice True. of all time. So True. like, it's a lot of like rapping almost and also this kind of feels like it's right in the wheelhouse of something that timothy chalamet would do yeah like he's that guy yeah this he, feels like, like this this feels like a fun project especially like james mangold feels like a this feels like a fun thing i'm yeah, excited yeah, for this yeah. One. yeah like now i kind of want to get into the main event and what we've been kind of waiting for for so long star wars finally had their like rollout of all their projects and basically gave us all the information we've been speculating about mm-hmm. for the past year and I only saw drips and drabs yeah. on, on social media because I was just busy traveling. So you're literally going to be hitting me this with like the details for the first time. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. So uh, first one, speaking of James Mangold, and I think one of the more interesting new, it kind of just shows like the direction of where Star Wars is kind of going. They're going to have all these different eras that they're kind of playing in. They're not worried about timeline. They're not worried about area or anything like that. They're jumping around however they like. Right. That's kind of cool. Like with Marvel, it's like, very much a story we're trying to follow and you know what the timeline is and how it kind of leads one to the other. Yeah. This isn't necessarily like that, which right. I think is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is James Mangold. He's going to direct a, a Star Wars film about the first Jedi. It's described as a biblical epic. He says his Star Wars film is inspired by Ben-Hur and the Ten Commandments. And uh, it's a chance to tell the entire story of its own, the birth of the Force. Where did it come from? How was it found? Who was the first Jedi? That sounds sick. Isn't that crazy? That sounds like a great origin story. That sounds like, uh, number one, a hell of an undertaking. Yeah, yeah, I almost think, like, the patience that's going to require of the audience, of, like, the creators and all that kind of stuff. Like, that seems like a movie that is going to be awesome. Mm. Like, I'm very, very excited about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely left field. I never would have expected that. But doesn't it sound like, oh, I do want to know that. And I would love to see that on film. That sounds perfect because, A, we've never heard or seen that story. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there's any novels or adaptations from. I'm sure there is. And I wonder if it even matters because. Yeah, yeah. No, what I'm saying is, is like, even if there are novels and adaptations or like spinoff books about the Star Wars kind of like cinematic universe that someone's made a little origin story of. Yeah. We haven't seen it on screen. And like that sounds real fun and real epic and i'm really interested in that because at least that gives us a starting point yeah like that's how the force was started and jedis came onto the scene yeah that sounds fun not only that but like the the stuff we do know because like i I have delved into a little bit of like the nerdier part of star wars like yeah the lore yeah 
who's the first uh, Sith and all that kind of stuff. Like that's if you're setting up the first Jedi, like the first Sith is right there, mm-hmm. ready to like be an interesting story within yeah. itself. Yeah. But what I do know about how the idea of like the Sith Order and all that kind of stuff kind of like developed, that's such an interesting thing. So as, as much as we're gonna get like. I, I, as much as I can get excited about this story, yeah, it just makes me so excited about like that era that they're going to create, right? This really early era of the Force that they can kind of play with and tell like a really interesting story that's completely outside of the Star Wars universe we know. And more importantly, something that you and me have been harping on about another project that has nothing to do with the Skywalkers exactly. and that whole saga and that family, and this is like predating that by thousands of years. Yeah, Perfect. exactly. What about this one? So Daisy Ridley will return as Rey in Charmin Obeyed Chinoy's Star Wars film. That one is going to follow the establishing of a new Jedi Order. It's set 15 years after the rise of Skywalker. So we're going from one thing that I'm extremely interested in to (laughs) the other opposite end of the spectrum where this is still the continuation of the Skywalker story in many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like the, you know, episodes seven, eight, and nine... I know we're not too far removed from it, but like already in recent years, it hasn't aged well. You know what's weird is like in the moment, it, it I felt still big. enjoyed them. Me too. You know what I mean? Like I did not like them. I watched, um, what was it? What was the number nine called? The Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. I watched twice. One was with you. Yeah. And at the time I thought, oh, this is pretty sick and this is pretty epic. I had a fun time. Like I know it wasn't like the perfect ending that everyone wanted, but right. I still had a great time. And for, and for some reason, and maybe it's things like appreciating what Andor gave us and some mm. other properties and stuff, Mandalorian, for example, for some reason now looking back at that portion of the saga, episode seven, eight and nine, I don't look back on those episodes fondly in terms of its own little trilogy. Yeah. And so I'm a little bit apprehensive in terms of continuing with the Ridley story and, you know, what what happens and what she's going to do. And I'm not I'm not all the way in. I'm going to be like, oh, let's just wait and see how this shakes out type of thing. You know how I kind of see it is what they're probably going to do with that one because like what I just mentioned, like Star Wars gets the the benefit of not having to like live in a timeline. Right. They, I mean, it does have to live in a timeline, but it, they can jump around and tell a story about the First Order. Mm. They can tell a story about the, the end of the Skywalker saga, the mm. middle portion, like wherever, right? Like they yeah. can go wherever they want. But the cool thing is with this, it kind of does allow that episodic thing where like there is going to be a progression in the storyline and stuff like that. And if they are going to be telling stories about the future of Star Wars, yeah, it's almost like this might just be a necessary hump to over, maybe like, go over, like setting up a whole new first order. Like who else is going to do that? I guess this is the unofficial episode ten, basically. Right? Yeah, and I think it's almost like episode- not even unofficial. It is the official episode ten. They can call it something else if they want to, but it's going to be episode ten essentially. But, isn't you know it? what? The way I, I I'm kind of viewing it, just based on the description that they're giving, I almost view it as like episode zero of a new story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a continuation of like the saga we've been following. Right. So, question of the two properties, the one that's Jedi number one, all the way at the beginning, and now this is the continuation of the story. Which one gets huge more? Oh, come jazzed? on, come on, let's be real. It's yeah. obviously like the first order one, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. but uh, the, the first Jedi is just like a very exciting proposition. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, there we don't know anything about it. This feels yeah. like we've lived in this era. Like, we lived in this era. Familiar character. We didn't love it all the way, so mm. maybe this is like something that they're gonna have to battle back from. It's really interesting to me that this is gonna be the first one, right? Because. You know, the, the, the goodwill that they've had with the Mandalorian, the goodwill that they had with Andor, it feels like they're about to go back into movies. Yeah. And going back into movies is like, well, what's that first one going to be? How mm. is it? How, how much of a big impact can this have to set up all this other stuff that's happening? Yeah, does like Adam Driver show up as a force ghost? Yeah, exactly. And uh, speaking of like even, I didn't even talk about the third property, which is now going to be Dave Filoni directing a Star Wars film culminating the events of the Mando universe. So obviously they've been building this whole story, this yeah. long epic with the Mandalorian, all the spinoffs with Ahsoka and so on. And it's all leading to something. And that's, now we know it's leading to something. That's perfect. This yeah. is, I swear you, me kind of, discussed and debated and, and brainstormed like with both the star wars and the mcu property how they were going to like use this the shows to kind of pivot to a movie yeah and it's a little bit easier with the mcu because it's actually more the movies have come first yeah and and the kind of shows are spinning off a little bit or building other smaller characters mm-hmm. whereas this is almost perfect it's like all right cool you've been invested on these multiple shows at this point on disney plus but the, the end goal here 
the ultimate experience is going to be the movie. Yeah. And the fact that Filoni is going to be directing it, it's it's actually perfect. I yeah. love I really really love that. There's like no way I couldn't be excited about this. It's such a big undertaking though. Like mm. when you think about it just because there's so many properties coming out for this. Again, right. Ahsoka and Mandalorian however long that continues and whatever they're doing with this story, it feels like he has become like this chosen one dude. Yeah. In the Star Wars lore of all this, right? Like as a fan. And, and now it's like, well, now he's got to deliver on a big stage. And a really important litmus test. It's like, okay, you have now fleshed out the character of the Mandalorian and Grogu and all Ahsoka, all these other characters, live action, but on a show. Mm-hmm. Now let's see what the payoff is in the movie, both in terms of quality, but also more importantly, from the business point of view, box office. How much of your audience that has been with you from Disney Plus day one on this journey, on this ride, yeah. is going to actually go all the way, watch the movie, and if it's good enough, maybe watch it a second time or a third time. This is this is new. We haven't actually seen this done before. Like Batman um, has come out and we're getting a Penguin spinoff. And we've had other spinoffs and other shows derived from movies. This is the first time we're actually seeing a payoff to a movie with multiple seasons of a show and spinoff shows as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, straight up. It's uh, honestly, um, out of those three though, now which ones are you excited about? Like if you had to rank them, <sighs> I, I'm just going to go ahead and put Disney, uh, Daisy Ridley at three. Yeah. There's Ridley at three, I would still put the Jedi origin story as number one because mm-hmm. I feel, I, I agree with you by the way, I feel like if they nail that and do that right, that could almost be a, a franchise purely based on the early days, yeah. which would be really, really exciting and interesting and brand new. And then I'd put number two, Filoni's Mandalorian epic uh, movie. Isn't it funny though that these are all completely different timelines? Yeah. And the, the way I view it is... Uh, Marvel asks a lot of their fan base for yeah. their time. Right. But they're not really, it's not confusing. Yeah. Right. Like you can follow the story pretty easily. Yeah. It's, as long as you're just watching the stuff, you know that this led to this and this led to this. And it's, it's, it's sequential. Yeah. This is like asking your fan base, like, all right, so just remember, compartmentalize it. This is like a very early part of the story, like way, way earlier. But also this Mandalorian thing is during the time of the movies that you kind of love. Yeah. And also like this new thing is going to be, way further than that and pay attention to all these timelines by the way and also one thing that i feel like the star wars property has got going for it is it's not doing the mcu thing where it's releasing three or four movies a year yeah we've had enough time that has you know passed now since the last star wars movie all the other star wars content has exclusively been on disney plus it feels like the time is right to finally go back to the theater and and get some new experiences and i feel like they've got multiple generations of star wars fans now that that's enough to be your audience and they get it they understand what's going on and if you need to watch a quick little youtube recap video you can yeah and not only that but it seems like they're going to be releasing like one movie a year perfect good cadence that's like perfect yeah yeah yeah. Like, like the same thing we were talking about like take some of the heat off marvel yeah you know what i mean like i don't need 10 marvel movies every year yeah give me like two three i'm happy yeah uh and this will like alleviate the need for something like that mm. next for uh, even uh, there's still star wars news <laughs> i love it this is, this is i'm being hit with like a plethora of news right I know, now but the crazy stuff we've heard of the skeleton crew like that is john watt's new property that he's working on with with disney mm-hmm. and it's going to follow a group of kids who go on an adventure through the galaxy Right off top, obviously that sounds like the greatest thing of all time. It just sounds like the Goonies in space. It sounds amazing. <laughs> and apparently he suggested this idea to John Favreau during the production of Far From Home. Yeah. So it seems like they've been working on this for a while. They've been kind of figuring it out. And you knew there was always like rumblings of John Watts, like he was supposed to do the fourth Star Wars or the, the fourth Spider Man, but he kinda of dropped out. He yeah. was supposed to do Fantastic Four, but he dropped out and then now he's like just refocuses his attention to something like this. It does say a lot about him as a filmmaker that yeah. Disney have been trying to utilize his talents in so many different properties and then finally landed on a Star Wars. Yeah. Book. And huge home runs like back to back to back to back. Like yeah. how, how many times can this guy like crush it? Yeah. And this sounds like something that's going to absolutely crush it. Not only does the concept sound great, but the director lineup is stellar. Obviously, John Watts, David Lowry, Jake Schreier. Bryce Dallas Howard, Lee Isaac Chung, and I think the ace in their hole, the Daniels, are going to be directing an episode, I believe, Wow! of this. And it's like, they have all these incredible creators that are, like, proven and, like, literally just won Best Picture. Like, right. how much better of, of a lineup could you possibly have? What a world we live in when a duo 
who have just won best director for a picture can be like, yep, I'm going to carve out some time to do one episode yeah. of a Star Wars show. Just like one episode. That's uh, going to get my fix. I'm going to dip out and then do a movie again. Straight up. Not only that, but think about the, the way I kind of view the Daniels right now. Mm. They have been doing all this stuff themselves. Yeah. They're like self-made as F. F yeah. Right. And to see them like now being like, all right, cool. Well, why don't we dip into the Star Wars universe? And like, we were supposed to work with Disney anyways. There was always that rumor that they were supposed to low-key, mm-hmm. but instead chose to do their own multiverse movie. Yeah. So now they're like, all right, well, let's see how this world kind of works. Mm-hmm. Let's pick out of it and see how we can become even better creators. Like, I can't imagine uh, everything everywhere all at once was with like five different editors or something like that or videographers. I forget what the number was, but... Mm-hmm. To see with a small crew what they can do, let's give them resources right. and let's see what the hell happens. Because yeah. that seems like an endless possibility, especially like the way they were able to create with everything everywhere all at once and create such a vast world. I want to see what they do with like a million dollar, like a billion dollar budget or something. Like that. Well, that's what was always my hope yeah. for the Daniels. It's like you, you make this kind of like limited budget movie that just wows audiences, goes on this run wins best picture there was a fantastic story about the editor of the movie using like an old mac yeah you know to edit this movie which yeah. just has the most incredible editing period in any movie i've ever seen yeah right and now it's like blank check it's like <laughs> now what do you need what do you want go and make your movie or, or your show and that's interesting I, and i think the fun thing that this does is because there's gonna be so much expectation for the next project yeah this almost lets them kind of do the thing i just mentioned learn from this new uh the studio and on top of that, like give them the time to work on whatever's next. Yeah. It doesn't have to be super rushed or something like that. Like they can just work on this episode. It releases. They're still going to be in like headlines and they can just yeah. chill and figure this thing out. As a duo, they're going to be in demand for years to come. Yeah. Like the, the proof is in the pudding. They yeah. know how to make an awesome movie. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of other creators that to be excited about, we were talking about how Taika Waititi was supposed to be one of the people directing one of these Star Wars movies. Right. One more anticipated Star Wars projects. Yes. And obviously we've heard of like a million different Star Wars properties, but this seems like apparently it's still going to happen. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy actually said that he doesn't really want to bring others into that process and I don't blame him. He has a very unique voice. so We want to protect that. And that's what he's doing. I respect it. I think that sounds cool. And uh, he should create the movie when he wants to create the movie. But uh, it's just interesting that Taika's in a weird place right now, too. Mm. Right, like he kind of took a little bit of an L with uh, Love and Thunder, and now it's like I'm not even sure what his next project is. And right, I'm just curious to see what that next move is and how he kind of moves along with it. I hope that whatever lessons he learned from the production and more importantly, perhaps the post production of Love and Thunder, we've heard so many stories about how much he got cut to time. And yeah, and and you hear all these like horror stories about like VFX. Yeah, from like all the cuts and stuff from Marvel recently. Anyways, yeah, I just hope that whatever lessons he learned off the back of Love and Thunder, he can take into his next project and kind of set his own rules from day one. Yeah. And then that way, there's no excuses next time. Like yeah. if, if, if I get, if I've produced an L movie, that's on me. Yeah. I can't be like, oh, the studio wanted to release this uh, movie at this certain date, so I have to rush special effects. Oh, the studio wanted me to make it two and a half hours when I wanted it to be three and a half hours. No, 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 no. Go into your next project with a mindset that I can make the movie I want to make. These are my rules. And if you're okay with that, green light it give me the blank check let me go make my movie i'll deliver it when i deliver it and it's weird to think that though because obviously marvel has like rules you have to create within right but star wars is like weird because you can kind of do whatever you want but mm. at the same time you do have to follow certain rules aesthetically right. and all this kind of stuff but like i just wonder what how does his brand of movie making mm. like work in the star wars universe yeah 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 uh, that is like super i'm very curious about that yeah um but yeah let's get into the movie that we're talking about this week the super mario bros I finally found it. Now who's gonna stop me? Oh, we're the Mario Brothers and Plummins again. We're not like the so first thing, this is like an adaptation of a video game. It's mm-hmm. something that we've been seeing a lot. And it's not the first Super Mario Bros. movie. No, it's not. You know what I mean? We got one from like ninety two. That's like one of the most infamous, terrible movies ever. Have you seen that by the way? I've never I've only seen like clips of it. And like that's why I haven't watched it. Oh my god. <laughs> I remember watching it. Uh I didn't watch it at the cinema. I watched it like on video. Like mm-hmm. I rented it from a blockbuster or something. It's so bad. You know it's funny because it almost fits perfectly with like that era of video game adaptations. Yes. Like the Ninja Turtles movies and yeah, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. All that stuff just fits. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. like that was just a really weird time in movies. And also way before animation is what it is today. Yeah. Way before Toy Story. Yeah. Way before Pixar did they thing and like, oh, okay, well, maybe we can do this. Yeah. It was just like, oh, we're going to do a live action movie. This is what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was jokes because like when you think back at that era, it's almost like uh, everything looks so bad yeah. that they're like, we got to figure this out with computers. Yeah. We have to figure it because this isn't working. Yeah, like yeah, whatever yeah. this is, it's not working. And uh, you can see... This is not that. Like, mm. this is a completely different situation. We finally have, like, a CD, CGI, like, adaptation of one of the most beloved characters in, in human history, right? Like, I'm putting Mario among any pop culture icon you can think, fictional, non-fiction, doesn't matter. He is iconic to multiple generations at I, this point, right? I think, right? like, worldwide, yeah. like, so just massively iconic. This felt like... The fact that they're doing a Mario movie, yeah. I, I, obviously people have like their trepidations with any kind of video game adaptation and stuff like that. But like, it's Mario. You needed to figure this out at some point. I think at the the, the most basic, the most, we only care about how much fun you're having. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's so little emphasis on story and stuff like that. And like that stuff's cool. But what we're really doing is we're letting you go on this adventure. Yeah. And I remember growing up, there was a rivalry. It was like Sonic and Sega, and it was Mario and Nintendo, and you had to pick your side. <laughs> I was always a Mario Nintendo guy, yeah, yeah. and when I think of like what makes Mario iconic, it's the games, it's the sound effects, it's the music, it's the levels, it's the other characters that inhabit that world, whether it be Luigi, Peach, Bowser, Donkey Kong, all these characters, right? Mm-hmm. The overall world that's built around this single character, Super Mario is just phenomenal. And the fact that it has lasted multiple generations, the fact that every generation of kids growing up has some sort of experience with Mario. Um, I remember the cartoon. Forget about the video games. I remember growing up watching the cartoons. Like Then there were comic books and there, were, there was like so much iconography around the character, whether it be posters and you know, I've got figures on my wall right here. Like It's just lasted an entire lifetime. And when I think about my childhood, Super Mario Brothers is an integral part of growing up for me. Humongous. And I think the coolest thing that happened in the last couple of years with Mario is it became like if you like I'm sure most people fell off at some point where like they just stopped playing Mario games. Yeah. I kept playing Mario games for like uh, Super Mario Galaxy on the Wii and like I forget what the new one with the hat. There's so many incredible Mario games that are just out. But the biggest thing is they look like movies already. You know what I mean? They look absolutely incredible. Like Super Mario Galaxy in particular, like you're playing a game that just feels completely out of this world, yeah. literally, and like in so many ways, the game mechanics, so many things are just so forward thinking. Mm-hmm. And by the time it came to like making this movie, it felt like, yo, they already had what they needed to do visually on right. a silver platter. I've seen amazing visuals in these games already. Yeah, They've yeah. already caught up to the point where like, yo, you just got to do what's happening in this video game on, on like a big screen and just capture the best stuff. Yeah. And it's to the point where that's what it feels like they really did. They didn't try to go above and beyond and try to do like weird stuff or anything. They just created a perfect Mario movie, if you ask me. And in addition to that, what a big gamble this was for Nintendo. Because yeah. like you said, the last time they did this was back in 1992. Yeah. So the fact that they were like, all right, now is finally the time to leverage this IP to actually make another Super Mario Brothers movie. Given the success of Sonic over the last couple of years, which is a completely different style of movie. Yeah. But... The fact that, again, once again, the the rival character from growing up, Sonic and Mario, now it's like, all right, here's our movie. You know what's crazy, though, is that movie did tremendously. I crazy didn't even numbers. pay attention to it, but crazy numbers. It already has a sequel, and like, they're, it's just crushing it. And yeah. not only that, but I haven't seen it even, but I've only heard good things about these movies. Right. And uh, now, I mean, forgetting into this one, like, I, number one, I absolutely love this movie. I thought it was so much fun. It obviously... You know, the criticisms are going to be like, there are certain things that are like repetitive or predictable and all that kind of stuff. But fundamentally, I had a tremendous experience watching this movie. Mm-hmm. I did have the added benefit of like taking my nieces and nephews to watch mm-hmm. this with me. Right. And like watching it with them, seeing how much fun they were having watching this movie. And yeah, like, yeah. even like after the fact, they, they like still hold on to these characters and like they get to like just become Mario fans now. Right, right. And it's so much fun to like experience that with them. So I have a very interesting take on the movie. Number one, I'll say it's a good movie. Yeah. And and I was also watching it in a cinema f- packed full of kids. Yeah. In fact, this film did so well on opening weekend. By the time it came around for me to try and book tickets, it was extremely difficult. Yeah. To, to get seats for a showing that would like make sense for me and all that kind of stuff. So I got, got there. Cinema was absolutely packed. I feel like this film is so well made for kids specifically. Yeah. 
like and it's no wonder because this character and the world and it's it's for kids yes, yes right yes. and the stuff that i took away as an adult from this film for me that i enjoyed the most was the nostalgia yeah, 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 yeah seeing the characters that i grew up with again like i said the iconography the music the, the sound eggs. effects i was i'm so glad that you brought up easter eggs I was literally paying attention to. Oh, I know that. I know that. I know all these things yeah. are like a, a background monument on a on a desk or on a wall, and I'm like, I'm cherry picking in my mind. I know exactly what that is. Yeah, yeah. I know what that's in reference to. Mm. And overall, I had an enjoyable time watching the movie, and it was also very digestible. It's a 90 minute movie. Yeah. If I had to kind of provide any criticisms or anything like that, or just something that would have maybe. Uh, been good for me as an adult if they could have found a way to throw in a few more jokes and a bit more adult humor mm-hmm. that perhaps would have been for the adults in the room only that maybe would have made my experience a little bit better but overall i'm just saying yeah. i had I had a good time watching this film and i can't recommend it enough and i feel like families and kids are gonna have an amazing time watching this the way i kind of see it like i appreciate so much like the themes of like family brotherhood friendship like yes. that they focus on like so many things there that are like great for kids to see right and the story just had like a lot going on every character had like side stories and like different relationships were being built along the way and i think they did a great job of establishing characters i think mm-hmm. they did a great job of establishing that world because i want to stay in that world yeah, right? yeah we'll yeah. talk about the idea of like sequels and stuff like that in a bit but like i really love the world that they created right mm-hmm. and i appreciate them giving so much like substance and nuance enough right like it's not like tremendous this isn't like a scorsese movie or something like that but like there's enough substance and nuance there that i'm like intrigued for what's coming next right and, and on top of that i almost my biggest criticism is like the games are basically like these adventures that you go on and you are chilling with this character. Take your time, die a couple times. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. You're going through these worlds, right? Like you're just trying to figure this all out. That's my only thing I didn't really feel like we got. We did go on adventures, but they were like really sped up. Yeah. I almost wish we got to like, it is 90 minutes and it should be 90 minutes. Like this is made for children. I agree. I totally understand that. But I, in my heart of hearts, I almost wish I got to spend more time with these characters grow a little bit more watch how these relationships kind of develop a little bit still like slower and more so that like i could feel like they've put in the work so the payoffs feel like they're worth it yeah, yeah. that's the only thing i wish i got more of. right 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 but uh, other than that like i thought there's so much like of the themes that they the uh, the themes of like brotherhood and all that kind of like yeah, that's tremendous like yeah. all of them were fantastically well done also it was great to see like other members of mario and luigi's family at the yeah. dinner table like yeah. so, so these characters again yeah, exactly. we aren't aware of exactly these are characters that are being introduced so in the quote-unquote real world we're getting an idea of where they come from their background their family why does this weird plumber even exist exactly you know what i mean like that's great they explain all of that in the first like five or ten minutes but also the establishing uh scene where bowser just comes in takes over this little castle like that part was actually in the trailer yeah and again a great great way to establish him as the villain of the movie yeah and then even bringing in like peach and donkey kong all of these other little characters i thought was a nice way to start to open that world yeah you know 100 and and on top of that there's just so many fun things with like mario kart being integrated into the story yeah. and like the the 2d scenes almost that like you get to see with like uh, Mario kind of just we're the watching side scrolling, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Like, playing the video game and yeah. like teaming with Donkey Kong and all this kind of stuff. And just visually, I thought they hit exactly what I want. Even all the power ups, yeah, like Mushroom getting big, uh, the flyer, pa- the, the the flower power, yeah, and the raccoon suit, yeah. And, and the funny thing is like when I do think about this movie, like in the moment, like I don't think this is gonna matter later. Mm. Actually, it might matter later on, but like. I, it's just funny to think back like how is this movie gonna be remembered it feels like critics just didn't get it like this is mm. a kids movie like what are we what yeah are we analyzing here that's what i'm saying it's like it this is made for kids and you have to almost view it through the lens and, that, and that's why my only literally my only criticism of this movie is i just wish there was more uh humor there for me yeah as, yeah, as a yeah. grown-ass man yo okay i want to get into that too because i feel like there was you know that character uh I don't know what his name is. The blue little flame that was like just talking about death. The oh, entire the ghost time. star. I think it's like Lumen or something. something like that. I don't know what it is, but yeah, like, yeah, man, yeah. that dude is one of the funniest characters <laughs> I've ever seen in a kid's movie. Like so funny. Like the way he was executing the joke I, in my head, I was thinking like, 
I know these jokes aren't for the kids. Right. But even for the adults, this stuff is dark. Right. This is dark, dark I stuff. I would have liked to have seen that kind of stuff, perhaps coming more from like Bowser, Mario, yeah, Peaches, yeah. and Donkey Kong and those I guys. I love that dude. That's yeah. one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. But um, even just looking at like Mario, I love how they took the idea of not like him being the chosen one. Right. Like he is technically the chosen one. But yeah. Like he's still finding himself. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's Mario with growth still happening. It's his origin story. Yeah. Like he comes into this world, he comes into the mushroom kingdom and he doesn't know what a mushroom does or yeah. what, if he eats this and what happens. And yeah. He's learning all of that. Yeah, exactly. They made peach a badass. Yeah. And, and they left enough of peach to where I'm excited to see, like, I, I want to learn more about her. Right. Right. She's just this badass character. She should be like, as well equipped as she is, mm-hmm. right? Like I can imagine people having their criticisms of like, oh well, that's not the princess Peach that I know. Yeah, yeah. But in my head, like, why wouldn't this princess who's like by herself not be trained in all these ways? This 100%. makes all the sense in the world to me. Also, going back to your previous point about you know the the kind of critics' consensus on this movie, you have to understand like Nintendo were hands on with this movie. This is a Nintendo co-production with Universal Studios, mm-hmm. right? What do you think Nintendo was going to do? Yeah. What do you, their whole IP, their whole history and legacy when it comes to the movies, this is for the kids. Yeah. Their movie was always going to be something like this. Yeah, yeah. And again, like I said, I had a good time watching it. I really did. And it was, it was fun to see the reaction from the kids in the cinema. Yeah. And I feel like this is a, a good time to release this movie. It's clearly going to be a franchise because they've made so much freaking money. Yeah. And, and it'd be nice to even jump back and forth between movies and the video games. And I, like I've said this before and I'll say it again. Like I wish I had more time to play video games in general. Yeah. And if I did, my first go-to would be to get like the Switch and the latest Mario game. Because I know it's it's a familiar world. Yeah. I, I know within five minutes, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do, what I'm where I'm headed, and like I'm going to have a good time doing it. Yeah, I think uh, at the very like basic, I don't play video games ever, but like at the very basic, like what I want from a video game, Nintendo still gets me, you know? Yeah. They just get it. Like, I want to have a good time and I'm not trying to invest myself so, so deeply. It's the ultimate family-friendly games console company. Straight up. And and not only that, but they did enough in this movie to, like, when we talk about the idea of sequels, there's so many spinoffs that they could do. Yeah. Um, When we talk about, like, Charlie Day as Luigi, Luigi's a fantastic character that we got, like, a piece of. Yep. But I'm so excited to see more of him. He obviously had that whole Luigi's mansion where he's scared and he's uh, scared of the ghosts and all that kind of stuff. We haven't even really... I mean, they touched it a little bit, yeah. But they could do so much with that. One hundred percent. With Jack Black as Bowser, I really enjoyed his Bowser, but it only shows us like a little bit of what Bowser's really capable of. And obviously, they're they're saving him, yeah, for whatever is next. And I can imagine like when there are sequels, this character is going to be so much fun to play with. You know what? We haven't even seen him as like a really bad guy. I we know. saw him as like trying to like marry Princess Peach. Peach. Yeah. You know what? This whole uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, experiment and a roll of the dice from Nintendo, which is already clearly paid off, has told me, look at the IP they have. Yeah. Zelda, Star Fox, Kid Icarus. There there are just like um, Castlevania. There are Metroid. Metroid. There are so many iconic games that they own. And if you just look at an amazing 2023, I mentioned The Last of Us by HBO, arguably the greatest adaptation of a video game ever. This, you could also argue, is... (laughs) one of the all-time great adaptations of a video game That's ever. A great show. Right? Yeah. Are we finally entering an era where studios are starting to take video game IP seriously and putting in the right effort and the right people in place to make sure that these movies and TV shows actually deliver the goods? Because if you can do that, the upside, the money, the legacy, the the fan base, the audience that can go on this journey with you for the next five, ten years at a time when everyone's talking about reboots and remakes and things like that. Yeah. We're finally maybe there. Yeah. And, and it feels like a lot of the times when there was like older video game movies, these studios kind of like shot themselves in the foot. They got in their own way. They yeah. thought that like, all right, no, 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 we are understand movies and storytelling and we're trying to tell the story that we think audiences are going to react to. But at the core, like the creators of these original properties very much understand. Like Mario, I mean, uh, Nintendo very much understands Mario. And that's my point. Nintendo were hands on with this movie. I don't know the guy's name from the top of my head, but the creator of the Last of Us video game was hands on Mm -hmm. with the production of the show. It just shows you when you let them get involved and if there's a genuine collaboration and partnership, magic can happen. Yeah, it's weird because this is like corporate synergy. And it's like... (laughs) 
at its finest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Before we head, head into our categories, as someone that has been entrenched in Nintendo video game culture growing up as much as I have, yeah. outside of the Mario Brothers movie, if you had to say, this is what I want to see next, it could be a movie, it could be a TV show from Nintendo's IP, what would you want? I mean, I think the... The biggest home run that just hasn't even been touched yet is is Zelda, mm-hmm. right? Like the fact that they they have like not only characters that people love and like a franchise that people love, like this story of of Zelda, the way they are able to dip into all these different versions of Link and Zelda along so many different timelines and stuff like that. Like it's not just a franchise that's exciting. It's a franchise that could possibly be like the next massive thing and i don't think it's the situation where like all right cool this is for kids zelda is for everyone i agree like the the, what you were able to accomplish with any high level mythical you know uh fantasy franchise you can do with zelda yep such an established fan base and like dude my dog's name is link you know what i mean like i'm watching whatever they put out but on top of that it feels like i remember uh back in the day ign did this fake trailer for a zelda movie and it like broke the internet Mm -hmm. and i just remember thinking like well where's the real one right like at some point didn't someone see the numbers that i got and like figure out like all right cool but it maybe this is just the right time and uh, like uh, nintendo's kind of figuring out all right cool like well if we're going to do this we're going to do it properly and just waiting for the right thing and if we're going to wait for it i'm cool yeah i I know that's inevitable yeah what about you yeah i'm on the same page as you and if i've had to just deviate a little bit i would say zelda but tv show I feel like when I think of the Game of Thrones TV show and what HBO did with it to really go into the minutiae and build the characters, like you said, there's so many timelines to jump around in. Yeah, I think it would be a, a lot, I guess, not not that either is going to be easy or harder, but a lot easier to tell your fuller story on an eight to 10 episode series than a two hour movie. Mm. Uh, and maybe you could do what they're doing with The Mandalorian, which is like build it up to a movie. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, like... It, it does kind of like make you think about the possibilities of what's available now. Now that Nintendo, especially from a business point of view, are like, yo, we're about to make a billion plus dollars from this Mario movie. Yeah. Let's get the ball rolling on everything else. The odd thing about it is like the timeline of it is very all over the place. Yeah. You could tell so many different stories. If you want to tell just Ocarina of Time. Yeah. You could tell that. Yeah. If you want to tell just Breath of the Wild, you could just tell that. Yeah. But I, I almost understand the again their trepidation to like actually commit to a Zelda property because like yo what I don't even know what which one I would tell like I don't know what story I would start off with it's an embarrassment of riches yeah, is what it is yeah 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 that's a different one but uh, yeah let's get into our categories as mm, far as uh, best character who would you have for this one I know you said that he wasn't on screen and all the character itself wasn't as screen as perhaps much as we would have liked but I think pound for pound Bowser played by Jack Black, yeah. was my favorite character. He was hilarious. I, I felt like every time he was on screen, I can visualize Jack Black yeah. laying down the audio in a studio booth. And like I, just, I could just see his like facial expressions as he was delivering all these pieces of dialogue. And I thought he crushed it. Yeah, he, he did crush it. He absolutely crushed it. For me, it's Mario. Yep. Uh, I think just fundamentally, he just, it, this is what I wanted. You know what I mean? It's a Mario movie. I love Mario. He did what he had to do. Yep. My low-key MVP is the blue flame dude. Uh, <laughs> so incredible. One of the funniest random characters I've seen in a, like a minute, right? Like the way like Disney has like shorts before their movies. Yeah. I want every Mario movie to have a little depressing short before their movies with just this guy. Let me follow his like existential crisis going forward. <laughs> um, what about Bessie? You know what? This may surprise you, may not, I don't know, but it's literally towards the end of the movie and it's Bowser singing Peaches, which is now, I've seen online, there's like a whole kind of like campaign to try and get this song nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, it's eligible. And let me tell you something. This moment, Jack Black singing Peaches as Bowser in the cage got the biggest laugh out of me during the entire movie. Yeah. I was cackling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like my favorite moment. I was laughing. It was hilarious. And again, you just visualize Jack Black singing and it was just a perfect home run of a scene. Absolutely. Even just to piggyback off what I said before, just the the flume guy just having his little moments was always a huge pop for me. The same way you're cackling. I was dying laughing mm. when, when that was happening i felt like i was laughing too hard around children to be laughing at these dark jokes right right um <laughs> but on top of that the scene where that's kind of it's kind of integrated because it's when you know <laughs> the flame dude's accepting his death right but at the same time luigi is getting like dropped into the lava and that's when like mario comes in for the save like that's 
an epic moment, so tense, so well built up, and for Mario to come and save him, awesome payoff. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I want, and I love the fact that like even in this first movie, we got to see like the brotherhood of Mario and Luigi, but we didn't really get to see them team up to the degree that they really can. Right, right, and I think what this like what this movie kind of left going forward is so much possibilities and so much of. Uh, just like uh, layups or assists, just ready for whatever's next. Yeah. I'm so excited to see what they do with the Luigi character. I'm excited to see what they do with the Mario character. I'm excited to see what they do together. I'm excited to see what they do with Peach. I want to see what they do with Mario and Peach. I want to see what they do with Donkey Kong. I want to see how they build that world. I want to mm-hmm. see what they do with Bowser. Like, so many different characters that I'm excited about. And if you want to turn this into, like, a massive franchise that has spinoff galore. Yeah. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. As far as star rating goes, where did you end up landing with this one? Five being the best, zero being the worst. So let me say this. I think every year when you think about an animated movie, an animated CGI movie specifically made for kids, what usually comes to mind? It's Pixar. Yeah. It's Disney. They are the kings of this area, this environment, this genre. Yeah. And I feel like, they've been dethroned in 2023 with this Mm. movie. I really do. I think it's going to be hard for us to look back on 2023 and say, what was the number one animated CGI movie and not name that the Super Mario Brothers movie? That's a good point. I know we're only in April and we have a long time to go, but I really feel like Nintendo and Universal just nailed this specifically for kids. I've landed on a 3.75 rating and the vast majority of that rating is because I know it's mostly for kids. And a lot of the times I feel like it's very easy for me to watch a movie knowing that's for kids and me not taking anything away from it. Mm. I took a lot away from this movie okay. and it mostly lent towards nostalgia, my history, growing up with this character, growing up with the, uh, the, the, the games. And just to see the character on the big screen done justice, not like the live action movie from the early 90s, to hear the sound effects and the, see the power ups and the music and seeing all the other characters, it just made me feel good. Yeah. Right? And even though I would have liked to have maybe seen a bit more of a better story or, again, like I said before, a bit more humor for the adults in the room, that's all good with me. I think it's a fantastic movie. It's a rewatchable movie. And I'm so down for sequels. Yeah, not only that. So I went with four stars. Uh, I can't wait for the sequels. I feel like what they did is this teed off so much, like I mentioned before, right? Just it's almost like a perfect foundational movie. Yeah. Right. Like there's so much that they created world wise and character wise that like. Yo, people are going to be on this road. Like you said, like this is a good feel. Like you walked out with a good feeling in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And I think adults walked out with good feelings. I think kids walked out with good feelings. And like if everyone's having a good time, yeah. we're all watching the next one. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's watching this next one. And the fact that people have seen this is successful, more people are going to watch it. I'm almost uh, looking forward to just what the cultural impact is of whatever the next one is. Right, you know right. what I mean? Like I feel like this is actually going to be like a really big deal. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, if they if they take what they did and, and advance it the way that Nintendo always does with like their visuals and their games and all kind of stuff, the next one's going to be absolutely tremendous. Yeah, I, I wish we got more of a journey. That's the fun part of Mario. You beat the levels, you run around, you go on side quests. That's going to be a really fun thing to do with these characters. And again, fantastic foundation. And I think they could really like knock so many sequels out of the park. This is going to be a really fun franchise to be part of. Plus... They teased it. We yeah. got some post-credit scenes. Oh, by the way, can we just take a minute just to talk about post-credit scenes? Sure. Scream 6, John Wick 4, and now the <laughs> Super Mario Brothers movie. We're living in a world right now where I feel like every movie, almost every movie, or at least every major blockbuster is going to have some form of a post-credit scene. Yeah. And that was never the case. I feel like the MCU really started the ball going with this. Yeah. And now I feel like other franchises and genres are like, yo, let's just kind of tease it. Let's tee it up. And I feel like this is now becoming the new norm. But that's what they should do. Like, I'm not only am I cool with this, but like, it feels like almost like you're not going to do that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to get us excited for the next movie. Right, right, right. And like, it's weird because like, you know, it almost makes you like stay and like stick to a path. Right. Like if they're going to tee up like a character, now we have to watch that character in the next movie. So, you know, as soon as these movies are ending now, like I didn't know about Scream 6, John Wick 4 or even this movie. I'm the first thing I'm doing is I'm Googling, does this movie have a post credit scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I find out that the answer is yes. I'm staying in my seat. Yeah. Do, is there like, do you see anybody like if you had to pick one character yeah. to like just get their own spinoff movie? Yeah. Is there anybody that kind of stands out for you? 
Oh, I want, I want Bowser. I want yeah. more Jack Black. Oh, that's a good call. <laughs> I want more Jack Black, man. I would love to see like a Jack Black Bowser show. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Right, like, right. like almost like Donkey Kong. I would love to see like a spinoff movie. Right. I think he would be such a fun spinoff movie, especially Seth Rogen is John, Donkey Kong. Like, what that's, if, that's great. What if he did a Mario Kart road trip movie? So it's not a race. It's a road trip movie. I love that. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. And you know what? Again, I want adventure. Right. That sounds like an adventure. That right? sounds like a blast. Yeah. That um, way you can go to all the different like islands and stages and worlds that yeah. we, gr- we grew up in the movies, like the desert world and the, the underwater world and the rainforest world yeah. and all that kind of stuff. They haven't even touched on so much. But let's get into the last segment of the show. Let's get wrecked. What is Sandu's recommendation this week? So I kind of, I know you like to make sure that the recommendation is right tied into the movie. I try to. You try to. <laughs> um, I flip flop. Sometimes it's something that I've just seen over the last like seven days. Yeah. Sometimes it's direct tied to the movie this week it's directly tied to the movie it's the wizard from 1989 it's starring fred savage and who was again talk about child actor in his prime that was just like one of the most iconic actors of the 80s and 90s but it's starring fred savage and it's about a boy and his brother who run away from home and they hitch cross country so a bit of a road trip there and with the help of a girl that they meet they compete in the ultimate video game championship and the final game that they end up playing is the reveal of Super Mario Brothers 3. Oh, word. It's I haven't even heard of this movie from house. <laughs> Honestly, it's like a, a cult classic yeah. for fans of 80s video games. And yes. I remember watching it and like, oh my God, they've got the power glove. Oh my God, Super Mario Brothers 3. And they, they're playing other video games to enter into the championship. Yeah, yeah. So it's half road trip. It's half coming of age story. It's a family story. It's um, it's like not one of those five star movies. It's kind of like I said, it's got a cult classic feel to it. It's very much nostalgic from like late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. But there you go. There's my recommendation. It's called The Wizard from 1989. That's dope. I felt like I wanted to, I always do tie in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of the tie in. Sure. But uh, I, I wanted to kind of think like, all right, what, what do I, what did I love about this movie? Like I loved how much fun it is. I love the adventure aspect of Mario, but I love that brotherhood thing that they really got across. Like that was what pulled the heartstrings of, of this movie for me the most. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm actually going with an anime called okay. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. So there's like an original and then there's this version, right? And this version cuts the fat completely and it is genuinely, and I've said this before, but it's one of the best animes ever, like ever, ever. All right. And they, they took like this really long drawn out story with the original and, and just condensed it to like just be all the best things. But they didn't miss out on really anything like everything that you wanted from the show. is just completely everything's great. Mm-hmm. Right. And at the heart, it's it's a story about what's featured in the title about brotherhood. It features an amazing story about struggle and family. And it's just so much heart. The characters uh, and the world are so well built so expansive and honestly like living in this world i remember like it's one of those animes that if you just dedicate your time to just this one and you're gonna start it you're gonna be caught very quickly i promise you there's a story that happens very very early on that just hooks you and pulls on your emotional like heartstrings right off the top but just following it all the way through the way they're able to build the lore and the the powers and all this kind of stuff it's incredible and not only that but it's all done in one season and that's my biggest pitch. Nice. It's one season. Uh, one season anime is like my bread and butter. Right, right, and, right. And uh, this is an ad- incredible adventure of a show to go on. Go out of your way. Check out Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, but yeah, that's everything for this week. Jump where can everybody find us? We are at Screen Off Script on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And hey, listen, do us a favor. If you enjoyed today's show, rate and review us. It honestly goes a long way on helping our show get found by new audiences. Awesome. Thank you for checking us out this week, guys. Take care.